Kevin O'Brien here, the FF Engineer. I host the Fantasy Football Engineering Podcast, where I bring on a guest each week to discuss a wide range of topics, all to apply practical knowledge in order to design, research, build, and maintain your dynasty rosters for now and beyond. I borrow brilliance from each guest and share how I leverage many different areas of expertise to accomplish a common goal of competing all year round. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. You're listening to the Dynasty League Football Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am your host this week, Dan Myler, and with me, as always, Matt Price. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I'm excited to finish out the rest of this this series we've been doing the last couple of weeks. Yeah, this top 12 series. Uh, we were unable to get our guy uh, Ryan McDowell to join us once again this week, but we pulled in the the next best thing, uh, his co-host from the Player Raider pod here on DLF, George Kritikos. George, how you doing? You, you ready to fill those big shoes? Oh, I'm excited, Ryan? man. No one can fill Ryan's shoes, of course, but... Uh... You know, he can enjoy Disney, and I'll just enjoy your company instead. Okay, I guess I guess those are big, goofy shoes this week, since Ryan decided to take off to Disney instead of join us, but uh, I think we'd, we'd all rather be there. Let's, uh, let's get right to the topic at hand, fellas. Last week, of course, uh, Ryan and the two of us, Matt, talked about those top 12 performers at quarterback and running back, and we tried to make a few predictions. Um, We went through the history of the positions and and how many typically fall out of that top 12, and then then conversely, uh, how many join in. We made some predictions on who we thought would fall out, who we thought would pop into those top 12 conversations for 2018 at quarterback and running back. Now we will do wide receiver and tight end. So let's start with the wide receivers, guys, because like most dynasty owners, I think still, I like to build my team around the wide receiver position. Matt, I know you do a lot of the same. Uh, George, I've been in many leagues with you as well, and, and you're a wide receiver builder. It is surprising to me, as we were putting together the agenda for, for this week's episode, how many wide receivers fall out of the top 12 every single year? Over the last seven years, an average of 38% of wide receivers, only 38% repeat their performance as a wide receiver one or a top 12 fantasy football scorer at the position. With that in mind, if that trend continues, eight wide receivers from the 2017 wide receiver one ranks are going to fall out of the top 12. So, with that in mind, the 2017 top 12 wide receivers in PPR scoring were DeAndre Hopkins, Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry, Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, A.J. Green was 10th, and then the two Lions, Marvin Jones 
and Golden Tate rounded out that top 12, Matt. Let's do this a little bit differently than we did a week ago, Matt. I want to hear the most likely guy to stay in the top 12 for you. I mean, it's, it's got to be Antonio Brown. Just looking back at the spreadsheet that Ryan set up, I mean, he's had three top three top overall finishes, three wide receiver, one overall finishes in the last four years. And if you add in that fifth year, you can add in a second-place finish last year to DeAndre Hopkins and a third-place finish in 2013 to, to Demarius Thomas and Josh Gordon. So, I mean, I, I just feel like Brown's a lock. Uh, and it makes me sad that I don't own him more places. I, I think I sold one copy last offseason and one this offseason, you know, kind of anticipating that decline, and it's just not happening with that guy. Um, so I'm going to go with Antonio Brown here as, as kind of a lock to finish top five. Yeah, he, he's definitely a lock to finish top 12, barring any health setbacks, George. Anybody else for you, or are you leaning towards I mean, Brown, Brown has well? to be number one. Uh, I don't think that's particularly close, in my opinion. Um, and we can get into some of the others, but yeah, it, it has to be Brown. Yeah, it's Brown for me as well, but, but this is really a who's who among wide receivers. And there were some injuries a year ago, and no doubt there'll be injuries again this year, but guys like Odell Beckham Jr. didn't make the list. Mike Evans missed the cut, of course, as well. Uh, but some of the names that did, including DeAndre Hopkins, uh, had that big season, that top number one overall wide receiver type of season. It's hard to imagine him falling out of that top 12, uh, barring any health setbacks again. Um, but after that, I think there are some question marks for sure. So let's get to the guys who we feel are the most likely to fall out of that top 12. I think we're all going to be in agreement that the most likely guy on the list to fall out is going to be one of those two Lions that came in at 11 and 12 in 2017 in overall scoring for wide receivers. Marvin Jones and Golden Tate came in 11 and 12. George, who do you think is the most likely guy to fall out of this top 12, these top 12 rankings? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the easy one to your point is going to be one of those two Lions receivers, uh, just because it's going to be really hard to see both of them repeating at that rate. And, and with Galladay, uh, you know, potentially getting a bigger role in the offense, uh, you know, now they have all these running backs and hopefully maybe they actually use them for a change. That would be uh, an interesting development for the team. But those would be the first two, I'd say. Um, the other one I'm going to put in there, and I, and I don't say it necessarily for his talent, but, but Jarvis Landry is a tough one just because we don't even know who the quarterback is on the Browns yet. And, uh, and frankly, you know, we, we don't know what the wide receiver hierarchy looks like. You know, you have a good tight end, you have several talented wide receivers, and we don't know how much they're going to pass given the running backs that they have on that team. So he's the other one where I'm really, really skeptical uh, that he can hang on. Yeah, George, we're, we're sharing a brain for sure. Those are the three most likely for me for all the reasons you mentioned. Matt, let's go back to those Lions pass catchers first. Jones and Tate, uh, it seemed like they shared that that pass, those th- that number one, uh, 1A and 1B uh, Lions wide receiver uh, role evenly or relatively evenly last year. Uh, it was... It was maddening for dynasty owners everywhere picking who to play and if it would be a Tate game or a Jones game. It seems like there's the potential to me for one of these guys to step forward as the guy and potentially stay inside of this top 12. If you had to guess which one that would be, Matt, which one would you say? 
that's really tough. I mean, I like both of these guys so much. Golden Tate for his floor, you know, 90-plus receptions. Uh, really, it seems like he does that like every year since he's been in Detroit. Um, and Jones, I've been a Jones guy since since his rookie season coming out of Cal over there in Cincinnati. So I really think Jones has kind of taken a step forward, so he's kind of the true wide receiver one in that offense, whereas whereas Tate is, you know, just a, just a hair just a hair older, and he has that PPR upside with all those receptions, that kind of that nice floor, but I just see him more as kind of a wide receiver two uh, type for, for fantasy, kind of that, that middle of the back end wide receiver two. Both these guys are really safe, and it, it could really be either Oregon. It doesn't really seem like Stafford has a preference for, for either of them. It just depends on the situation. And who's open with that? Uh, you know that the Jim Bob Cooter offense of the last couple of years is such an efficient passing attack. So it's tough to say that either of them are going to fall out of the wide receiver two conversation. Um, but if I have to pick one to stay as a wide receiver one, I'm going to yeah, stay with yeah. Jones. You, you mentioned that they're they're both safe, and they certainly are. They they are inconsistent though. Uh, if I had to choose one, I would pick Tate just because of that consistency. Ninety plus catches in fourth straight seasons. If he could find a way to to catch more than five or six touchdowns in a season, he'd be a lock top 12 uh, fantasy option at the position for sure. So I lean slightly towards Tate being the most likely to stay in, although Jones has the touchdown upside and that always gives you the potential to make the move. Ryan, geez, holy cow. Uh, Get rid of that. Matt, before we get back to George, let's go. Let's go to your next most likely. George mentioned Landry is his third most likely to fall out of that top twelve. I tend to agree as well for for all the mention, all the reasons George mentioned, including the the change of scenery and the quarterbacks and and the question marks surrounding that offense, considering how they could become a run first team and, and the other pass catchers that are in place. Does Landry fit the bill as the third most likely for you as well, despite being the fourth most productive wide receiver in our game a year ago? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know if there's too many bigger fans of Landry than I have. That's kind of well documented. And he had a big value boost last year with those touchdowns. But there's just so many so many things in, in, in Cleveland that, that speak to him getting a, a lower volume. Like, I just don't think he's going to hit that 100, 110 catch plateau. Like, I don't think he's going to get to nine touchdowns. I think we're looking at like a, you know, 80 to 85 catch, 900-yard season from Landry uh, with, you know, maybe four to six touchdowns. And I just don't think that's going to get him to – that wide receiver one level. I still think he's a rock solid wide wide receiver two, but yeah, I think he's pretty likely to fall out of there in that new situation. The nice thing about Landry is that price seems to be baked in a little bit with him moving over to Cleveland. So nobody's really paying wide receiver one prices anymore. And, And I've never been a huge Landry fan, but I've actually bought him in a couple of leagues this off season because the price seemed to be right when you're getting him for, for low end, wide receiver two prices that seems like a bet I'm willing to take let's move on to the fourth most likely and I should mention for our listeners uh, I did really quickly earlier that that an average of just 38 percent of wide receivers repeat their performance that means we we pretty much have to kick eight of these guys out of that top 12 and that's a that's a tough task if you listened last week we tried at running back and and really if we're honest Matt we, we pretty much failed uh it was difficult to to kick out eight out of that top 12 it's going to be hard to do the same here as well Matt if there's a fourth guy that is likely or the most likely to fall out of that top 12 who is it 
This is this is going to catch a little heat, especially uh, since Ryan's not here. But I'm going to say Tyree Kill. I just I just don't I just think there's too many weapons on that offense. I, I love Mahomes. I, in fact, I just got him in, in this new startup we're doing, Dan. Uh, but I, I just don't know who he's going to prefer. I, I kind of think that Watkins, despite the fact that he hasn't done a whole lot in his career, I think he profiles as kind of the, a, a more kind of prototypical NFL wide receiver one than Hill does. And Hill was just r- ridiculously efficient last season on 105 targets. Uh, I can't remember the stat I wrote down last week, but uh, there's not a whole lot of receivers like him that I can do that kind of production on 105 targets. So if he stays right in that same range or even even dips a bit now with Watkins in town, like I just don't see him how he can repeat that kind of performance in, in 2018 so uh the, he's he's my next guy i don't have tyreek hill quite so high on this list I, i'm a tyreek hill believer i think he's the the most talented wide receiver in kansas city i won't give it away just yet if he's one of the eight that i would bump outside of that top 12 how about you uh george is what do you think of tyreek hill is he gonna stick around in that top 12 in 2018 uh, well, you know, given the fact that we had to pick eight to, to kick out, he does he does make my list uh, of ones that I would remove, but he wouldn't be my next guy. Uh, I went with Adam Thielen as my next one at four. And, you know, I, I, I did oscillate a bit because, you know, Hill and Thielen are a little similar in the sense that they both are getting new quarterbacks and you don't really know what the, uh, you know, kind of the tendencies of those quarterbacks are going to be with these receivers because both have, to, to Matt's point, competition in the form of Watkins and Kelsey in, in Kansas City. Uh, you know, Thielen has to deal with Stefan Diggs and, and Kyle Rudolph. Even if you're not a big Kyle Rudolph fan, he does get, you know, looks in the red zone. Uh, you know, he's a legitimate option, and Dalvin Cook coming back presents an issue as well. So I went with Thielen. I think, I just don't know what Kirk Cousins is going to do there. I feel like Diggs is going to be the guy who steps up uh, a little bit more than Thielen, but it's going to be maybe more like how the Lions were last year, where both guys are maybe going to be in that wide receiver two conversation, but neither one's necessarily, you know, maybe one, you know, maybe they get right there at the edge of that top 12, but I'm not really betting on that over some of the other guys on this. Thielen was the next guy on my list as well. And and for all the reasons you said there, uh, I also, you know, we talked about Golden Tate being that consistent guy. I could see Adam Thielen falling into that same kind of role. They're, they're not exactly the same player, but for fantasy purposes, they have some similarities. Uh, they're going to, it seems like they could be consistent 90 catch guys. I could see them falling anywhere between 850 and 1250 yards, uh, yards receiving. And it's really hard to see them catching more than a half a dozen touchdowns in a season. So that translates to a solid wide receiver too, maybe a consistent wide receiver too that could possibly put up those wide receiver one numbers. But I just don't know if I can I can consistently count on him putting up those kind of digits for for dynasty owners everywhere. So so I had Thielen as at four as well. It sounds like George did the same. I will say I did I do have Hill among those eight that I had to kick out. Um, I'm I'm convinced that he'll have another solid season. Sammy Watkins does raise an eyebrow for sure. There are uh, there, there are more miles to feed there uh, now that he's in place. There, of course, the tight end with Kelsey, uh, he has to get his, and that running game is so efficient and and deserves so many touches that there's only so much to go around. Mahomes also is a little bit of an unknown. We're all pretty excited about him, but there. There could be a learning curve for sure for him, and uh, we'll we'll have to see what happens there. So so Hill made that top eight 
for what sounds like all three of us. Uh, let's kick another guy out of this thing, George. Who's your next guy after Thielen? Uh, this is, to me, the first, these first couple of guys, you know, these first four were a little easier for me. And then I felt like it got a little harder here. And, uh, you know, I debated Tyreek Hill here. Um, but I do think he's on the upswing and I think, you know, there's the potential for more targets and I don't know what Watkins going to do. So I actually kicked out a guy who's been on the list three years in a row in Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, because I, again, you know, it's an uncertain quarterback situation and uh, a brittle quarterback situation on top of it with just a rookie backing him up. You know, you bring in a guy like Christian Kirk, you have David Johnson coming back. You know, Fitzgerald's a year older and, and I don't like to bet against him because he's done me very well over the years. You know, he's a great guy to grab and always is cheap, but I just that was the next one on my list and uh, it hurt me but but that's the one that I would bet next yeah it hurt me too because he he was fifth on my list as well and I you know we've all doubted Larry Fitzgerald so many times and we've all been wrong so many times and lately he's been doing it without the touchdowns and putting up these big numbers you mentioned Antonio Brown being the most consistent uh and then George, you said three three years in a row inside this top twelve, putting up big big numbers, hundred plus catches. Uh, it, none of us would be surprised if he did it one more time, or even more than that. I guess he he's thirty four, going to be thirty five before the season starts. So Father Time kind of tells us that if there's another guy that's going to fall outside of this this top twelve, it's probably him. Matt, what are your feelings on Fitzgerald? Does he fall into into this range for you? I put him in my bottom category, but I, I I just I just feel like anybody else that I pick here is is going to be betting on an injury situation, and I, I don't think that Fitzgerald is going to be one of those guys that's going to get injured. I mean, he certainly could. He's in he's in that age bracket, I guess, right? Like we just talked about, uh, and he's got those two quarterback questions. But gosh, he's just so consistent. And, and what else is there to throw to other than David Johnson there? You know, like are we betting on Bryce Butler? Are we betting on Kirk right away? I just, I don't know. I, I, I just think we're going to get another 100 reception season out of him. But I, I, I can understand the feeling. And if there's somebody from this list that is not going to fall out of here, out of it because of injury, I think okay, it probably so would be. Okay, so Fitzgerald's pretty safe for you, Matt. Who, who's the next guy that's unsafe or has some question marks surrounding him? You're just like jabbing the knife in my heart, and twisting <laughs> I'm gonna, it. And... I'm gonna get it out of you here, Matt. <laughs> like I just like I can make up reasons for all of these guys. I feel, but I don't really believe any of it. That I'm saying anything that I'm saying. You know, like I can I can make a case for Julio, and that foot is still gonna bother him, or he's he's still holding out because he wants to get uh, paid, even though he still has three years left on his contract. You know, there's all these reasons we can talk about for these guys. So. Uh, I don't even have a next guy, honestly. I, you'd say the same thing for AJ Green. He's getting old. It's the same same thing. So uh, I just I, I can't really hammer down one of these guys. If you're going to force me to pick one, I'll say AJ Green just because you know Dalton questions with Andy Dalton. Uh, you know the offensive line they they did get better, but they're still not great. You know that kind of thing. And we know what that Dalton is terrible uh, if he's not protected. So I guess I would have to say AJ Green. But again, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm lying to the listeners because I don't really yeah, believe well, what I'm saying. I, I don't think anybody last year would have believed that 
you know, it would have been hard to come up with reasons for T.Y. Hilton to fall out. And he fell drastically outside of it. Devontae Adams was a guy who fell out uh, from 2016 to 2017, and he still had a nice season. So we're going to see those types of seasons. Michael Crabtree was another that fell out last season. We're going to see those guys that put up good numbers. They're still productive, good for dynasty owners, but they fall outside that top 12. I think it is going to happen to some of these aging wide receivers. Fitzgerald certainly fit the bill for me. And I I had Julio Jones and AJ Green among them as well. So uh, I guess put one more notch next to their names. George, what do you think? Uh, what do I think about which part of that, I guess, is the question. <laughs> Julio and AJ Green, most likely. <laughs> I, I have Green on my list of eight, and uh, he was my second to last. He was my seventh one on that list. Um, and I have Julio Jones staying. He's done, I think, four straight years. He's had top 12 finishes. And and that was, you know, in, in 2017 was, it was a down year from Matt Ryan after that 2016, and he still was on the list, and he still did well. Uh, and, and I don't think there's really that much more. I know Calvin Ridley obviously got draft, drafted in the first round, but I'm not necessarily expecting him to you know, supplant Julio Jones or, or, or really take so much of a share away from Julio that he can't repeat again. Uh, so I, I think Julio is fairly safe outside of, you know, to, to the point Matt made, you know, that injury type of equation. He's the guy for me where if I'm thinking that – if he stays healthy for 16 games, he's the one I feel pretty confident about outside of obviously Antonio Brown as well. Yeah, I had Hill at six, then Julio Jones at seven, and A.J. Green was the last guy for me to fall out. But I, I did want to say that I'd, I'd put an asterisk next to both of those guys, that they're going to be high, high end. They'll be like 13th and 14th, and, and some of those surprises will just barely edge them out. Maybe maybe they get the last week of the year off because they're already in the playoffs or something like that in Julio's case. Uh, so it's, it, it's almost easier to, to just go ahead and say who your locks are. Like my locks to stay in are Hopkins, Brown, Allen, agreed. and Michael Thomas. Like everybody else, I feel like have a chance to to go. I think those four are locks, but you know, I, like like I just said, I don't feel like I don't feel like these. So older I was guys just about to, to ask who who the the four that stay in are for each of us, and I I agree completely with your list there, Matt. I did go back and forth a little bit with Keenan Allen, uh, but it was all health related for me, really. And the Mike Williams thing, I think all of our listeners know that I'm a fan and believe he'll he'll be very productive uh, on Sundays for for dynasty owners everywhere. Um, I, I just don't think it's going to take away from from Allen and and his upside. In fact, I, I think if there's a guy that is going to unseed one of those top two. DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown. It's probably Keenan Allen uh, because he has wide receiver one overall upside for sure. So George, who are the four for you that are locks to stay in? Yeah. So so I had I had three I felt very confident about in Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas, and Julio Jones because they are guys who've done it multiple times. They've done it multiple years in a row. There weren't a lot of changes to their offense. I felt pretty good about their situations. I dropped Hopkins off my list, and I put Keenan Allen in as one of my four. And the reason I went with Allen over Hopkins was I felt that Hopkins has a pretty good injury history. He's dealing with a quarterback coming back. Uh, and I know he finished first overall last year, uh, but he's been in and out over over his career a little bit. So 
I didn't feel quite as as secure with his situation and with everything as I did with Keenan Allen. I know Keenan Allen has his own injury history, but I did like that. You know, Allen's clearly the guy there. Hunter Henry now is out for the year. There's no Antonio Gates there. I actually don't feel like there's a lot of competition, and I feel pretty confident in Philip Rivers. So. I like the Keenan Allen situation, and, and that's why I included him as my fourth guy uh, amongst my, my guys who would retain top 12 status. So we're all in agreement that Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, and Michael Thomas are going to be top 12 performers once again this coming year. Matt and I both say Hopkins, Well, George says Julio, and he's an outsider, so he doesn't really count. So we're going to keep our four in, Matt, which leaves out Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, Jarvis Landry, Adam Thielen, Tyreek Hill, Larry Fitzgerald, A.J. Green, and just barely, because he'll be 13th, Julio Jones, right, fellas? Okay, so we've decided who's going to fall outside of that top 12. We need to... Figure out who's going to take their places, guys. There are a lot of really nice names here uh, when you go through the list. And, and some of them I mentioned earlier as guys who were top 12 performers in 2016. The guys who fell outside the top 12 after being wide receiver ones the year before were Jordy Nelson, Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, uh, Devonte Adams and Michael Crabtree. So also Doug Baldwin uh, and Odell Beckham Jr. Um, fell outside of the top twelve this past season. So some nice names to think about there for sure. Um, Matt, who do you think is the most likely to jump back into that top twelve? This is easy. It's it's OBJ. I mean, he's he got off to his historic start. He got had a bad athletic, athletic excuse me had a bad leg injury last season, and that's the only reason why he was not included on this list. So that's that's kind of locked up. I think that he's he's back in there in that top five. Discussion. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with Matt there. That's a that's a pretty easy one. I don't expect uh, a barring another injury for OBJ to be outside of the top twelve. Yeah, another guy that with we've seen it in in the past that wide receiver over one. <laughs> Wide receiver one overall potential OBJ is most likely to jump in. I think we'd all probably agree that Mike Evans certainly belongs in this conversation as well. We could probably debate where he's going to finish, but that's not really what we're talking about today. Uh, George, is he one of your guys that will jump inside of that top 12? Yeah, I think if, if we're picking you know eight guys who are outside the top 12 from last year and going to, to come in, I think he's a he's a pretty strong candidate to be one of those. I had him fourth on my list of guys that I felt most likely were going to jump into the conversation. Interesting. We'll find out who numbers two and three are here shortly. Matt, I had Evans at two, but certainly had some other guys I was considering. Uh, Where did Evans fall on your list? He was fourth for me as well. Assuming I know who the two guys are above Evans, Matt, but go ahead and fill us in. First one is Devontae Adams. I, I just think that a full season with a healthy Aaron Rodgers, I think he's he's assumed that number one position. And and outside of injury to one or both of them, uh, you know, I, I just don't see that him not him not producing at that level. Um, and then I also have uh, Doug Baldwin above Evans there. Okay, I figured I figured Adam would Adams would have been inside of that that two three range. Kind of figured somebody else to be the other guy other outside of Baldwin. Baldwin did make my list of of 
of eight guys that could potentially jump up there. Not nearly that high, though. George, who was your number two and three? I had the same thing that Matt did. I had Adams second, and and he was really close last year. So, you know, it's not really a big leap to, to suspect that he would get there. Uh, and then I, I had Baldwin third as well with, with Jimmy Graham gone. Uh, you know, their, their running game's unproven right now. And, and Paul Richardson is, is gone as well. So I feel like uh, the offense is all his at this point. And, uh, and the defense is yes, terrible. exactly. Wow, I feel like a little bit of an outsider now. I was the only one that didn't have Adams second or Baldwin third. In fact, I had Baldwin all the way down there at fifth. Uh, my, my third guy was Adams. And then my fourth guy was actually Allen Robinson. It hasn't been, really been much of a secret that I feel like Robinson's going to make a big splash in the Windy City. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of dynasty owners sleeping on him. To me, uh, maybe it's the landing spot in Chicago. Maybe it's the quarterback in Chicago. Maybe it's the ACL that forced him to miss all but one one series, I guess, or, or just a few plays in 2017. Uh, sour taste in dynasty owners' mouths everywhere. I think he is... Very, very likely to make a big, big jump uh, in this coming season. You know, the last time he played a full season, he had 73 catches for 883 yards and six touchdowns in Blake Bortles' horrid 2016 season. Uh, The year before, though, 80 for 1,414 touchdowns. I tend to think he's going to fall closer to the 2015 version of Allen Robinson than the 2016. I know it's been a few years, but Allen Robinson is a guy I won on all my dynasty teams, and and he seems like he's being valued in the teens, and by this time next year, to me, it feels like he'll be valued inside of that top 10. So Robinson is third for me. I think we all agree on OBJ, Evans, Adams, and I Baldwin. Uh, let's go to number five for you guys. Matt, who's that fifth guy that's going to make the leap? It's Stefan Diggs for me, and he just he's just got to stay healthy, you guys. I think he has the talent to be there. You know, it's a question mark whether or not, would not Kirk Cousins is going to prefer him to, to Thielen at this point, but I, I, this, I think he's the same kind of player as Antonio Brown. Like, that's obviously a lofty statement. See, we just said Brown has been a top five, or really the, the, the top, top, in the top three the last five seasons, basically, in the NFL, uh, in terms of fantasy finishes at the position. But, uh, you know, we've seen flashes of it. It just, just always seems like he doesn't deal with those little nagging injuries very well. So if he can stay healthy, that's the one concern for him. Otherwise, I think he's going to be in that and, and could just, just kind of swap positions with, uh, with Adam Thielen there in terms of their, their overall fantasy finishes. Yeah, I, you mentioned it there, Matt. The, the inability to shake off those small injuries is, is so mind-boggling for me because I've been a dig supporter for a long time since he was at Maryland really and it feels like he should make that surge now he's a contract year uh wide receiver fourth year wide receiver uh going back we all know what what that means for for those wideouts and uh it really seems to me that this could be a breakout I, I I was nervous putting him among these eight to make that leap uh, you had him all the way up at five, though. George, who do you have at five? So I went different from both of you, so we got a little dissension here. Uh, I went with Alshon Jeffrey 
because I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there for him. I know Wentz is coming back from the injury, but it seems like everything is saying that that he's doing well. And even if he's not, Nick Foles did a pretty good job last year. So I'm not too concerned there. I don't see Nelson Aguilar doing nearly what he did last year. Uh, you know, they lose Torrey Smith. Uh, you know, I think Mike Wallace now is on the team, if I remember right. Uh, but, you know, really it's it's Alshon show. He has great touchdown upside. He's been a top 12 receiver before. You know, I just like the situation, and I just feel like, you know, there, there definitely is, for me, a top four. Honestly, I'd say a top three. I would argue Evans is almost in his own little mini tier. And then I think Alshon's kind of closer to Evans than maybe he is to those top three. And, and you know, maybe the next guy that I say is, is probably in that same range, too. So I actually glazed over Alshon Jeffrey when when I was prepping for this episode. And the eighth guy on my list, I wasn't really excited about. So so after George mentioned him before the show began, he 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 immediately replaced my number eight. So I agree with you wholeheartedly that Jeffrey is the, the eighth most likely to, to jump in. George thinks highly enough about him to, to knock him all the way up to number five on the list. Let's go back to you, Matt. Who do you have next as the, the most likely to become a wide receiver one in 2018? Yeah, it gets tough at this point. Um, from this list, you know, we, we've seen now that Andrew Luck is throwing back, throwing the ball again, throwing, throwing the Duke. <laughs> uh, we've seen those rocked-up pictures of him. He looks great. Uh, you know, all signs point to him, you know, hopefully being there at least by week one, if not training camp. So if, if Luck is healthy, I want T.Y. Hilton on my team again. You know, he, he led the league in, in yardage two years ago, and – Luck loves him, so I, I, I and I love him. <laughs> so, so I think he has a really good shot to get back there. And even if if Luck isn't 100, percent I still think he he's really like the really the only the option in that passing game. You know, we're going to talk about tight ends in a minute where we have another one that Luck is going to like a lot. But I think in terms of the wide receiver options there, I think Hilton's going to get really all he can handle if we have a healthy Luck there. So I'm going to throw him up into the conversation. So that was a perfect segue because Hilton was actually that number eight guy that I that I bumped off the list and and it's not because of Hilton at all it is completely about luck and I I just don't believe I'm I I, I will believe it when I see it in week one or week four or week eight or or next season Uh, but I, I I can't believe something that I haven't seen with my own eyes and everything coming out of Indianapolis seems like talk uh and not real action so um Hilton got bumped for me. He didn't make that top eight. Actually, Amari Cooper was my sixth guy on the list. I, I still believe in the talent, and, and you can say what you want about his first couple years in the league and the up-and-down games and the inconsistent hands. All those things matter and are worth mentioning for sure, but at the same time, Cooper had a couple of thousand yard seasons in his first two years, riddled with injuries at times last year, uh, and a consistent pass catcher on the outside. Uh, I know he's been had those problems, but that talent just shines for me, and it seems to me that a breakout is imminent. Uh, whether it happens in 2018 or, or, or maybe even beyond then, it feels like Amari Cooper's going to crack this list at some point for me, and I would bet that it comes in 2018. So he got the sixth spot for me. George, who's next on your list? Yeah, I went with, I went with Allen Robinson. So, you know, you kind of covered 
some of the pieces there with Ruth Robinson, I think. You know, he becomes the guy in the offense, and I know Trubisky's definitely a risk, but I like the coaching change, and I feel like they did a pretty good job bringing in some other wide receivers who are complementary pieces. They're clearly not challenging Robinson for the number one spot, so I went with Robinson sixth. Okay, good choice. I couldn't agree with you more. Matt, who's next for you? Oh, man, this is tough. Uh, I, I went with Demarius Thomas. Oh, well, Matt, you, you weren't willing to kick out eight. <laughs> so if you want to quit, you sure can. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, uh, and I don't feel confident about the rest of these guys. Uh, Robinson was my, my six, too. I just skipped him because we had kind of already talked about him. Uh, but my, then my next guy is Demarius Thomas. You know, they got a quarterback upgrade with Case Keenan. Case Keenum did good things last season. Um, so I, I feel pretty good about Demarius Thomas. You know, if, if he doesn't reach that top 12, at least like hitting that upper end of the wide receiver too. So he would be my next pick here. Okay. And the last guy for you, last couple guys for you, George, who, who else made that top eight for you? Yeah. So I also had Demarius Thomas at seven. I think that, uh, he was an interesting one, uh, to, to Matt's point, you know, Case Keenum being, you know, doing well last year, he supported a top 12 wide receiver last year and another one who, who got pretty close. So I went with Thomas. Uh, and then my number eight was kind of a curveball. I went with a leap of faith here and I went with Jamison Crowder. And uh, I just think that he kind of fits that profile of that PPR, you know, high catch rate. He might not get a ton of touchdowns, but he could have a Golden Tate type of season and, and, and kind of sneak into the top 12. Uh, you know, we've seen it with Randall Cobb, although Cobb was maybe a little more touchdown dependent. Uh, but but we've seen it in the past where some of these kind of more PPR, short, you know, depth of target type receivers get in. And Crowder just seems to fit the mold. And I think with the way things have shaken out this offseason, he could be in position to, to sneak in there. Wow, that's an interesting one. Uh, our listeners enjoyed that, I'm sure. I won't be agreeing with George on that one, Matt. How about you? you did he talk you into making him number eight? Uh, I mean, I, I understand the argument, but I, I don't think, I don't know. I, I cannot say that he won't, but that's that's really tough. I just don't know which one of those weapons are going to work out. Dan, I know it's probably Dachshund for you, and, and would you consider him as, an, as, a, as, a, as a potential to get to the top 12? No, I wouldn't put him up that high. I, I think he has wide receiver two upside, and, and maybe there's the potential that those two receivers split a little bit and both have big seasons. I guess there's the chance that one of them blows up and the and the other one's a dud, and it could be either, really, although Crowder's shown that, that he's he's been more capable to this point. Um, I, I really can't see both of them making that kind of leap or, or even one of them jumping all the way into the top 12. I just see Crowder, Thompson, and whichever tight end kind of kind of is healthy, whether it's whether it's Reed or, or Vernon Davis or whoever. I just kind of feel like those three are going to kind of occupy similar areas of the field, and I just think they're all going to you know kind of screw with each other's target numbers. Sure. So is there anybody else for you, Matt, that deserves mentioned here? Uh, you asked for a dark horse, right, earlier? So Right. Well, I was going to get okay, to that. Okay, well, I'll hold, uh, off. I'll hold off on the dark horse. No, I think that's, okay, that's, I, that's about it for me there. Okay, if that's it for you, let's go to those dark horses, those, those guys that could come out of nowhere. And I really want it to be known that I tried really hard to get Juju Smith-Schuster into this topic, <laughs> into, into these eight that would make the leap. But with... With Brown being so consistent and me picking him as the most likely to to be the number one overall wide receiver, uh, him and OBJ, and then Keenan Allen as the dark horse for that 
uh, title, as well as DeAndre Hopkins. It, it just was difficult to put two guys from one team. I went back through, and it has happened a couple times in the last seven years, but, but it's so unlikely to have two guys put up those types of seasons. Of course, Marvin Jones and Golden Tate were top 12 receivers a year ago. All that said, I wanted to put Juju Smith-Schuster in there, just couldn't do it. So with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about Dark Horses to make that big leap. Now, this might not be somebody out of the top 15 or 18 or 24 even in our rankings on DLF or in your specific rankings, Matt. Who's the guy for you that that could make an unreal jump and become the next big thing for Dynasty owners? I've got three. Do you want them all all at once? Let's have them. (laughs) The first one is Josh Gordon. I, I think that's probably fairly obvious. His ADP has been rising ever since... Uh, really since he got reinstated last season and he's up at wide receiver 21 in average draft position now um, so you know he's he's knocking on the door door of that anyway in terms of ADP and I really do think he's going to be the number one show in town there pretty easily uh, I mean they're obviously the, the camp reports or whatever this time of year but there's been nothing but positive news from him it seems like he has his head on straight and uh, I'm excited to see what he can do with Tyrod and, and Baker, honestly. I mean, Tyrod uh, is the one that kind of supported Watkins during that unreal run he went on several years ago. So I think he could do a similar for Josh Gordon. So that's one. And then digging a little bit deeper, I think it's time we have two top 12 receivers in Green Bay again, Dan. What do you think? So I'm going to throw Randall Cobb on it. there. I'm going to throw Randall Cobb in there. I think he is going to get bounced back. You know, he's, he's got kind of a lot of buzz this offseason as, as a buy low all the way down at wide receiver 47 in ADP, so he's still fairly cheap. Um, I think he has a chance to jump up there, if not into wide receiver one, at least into those high, high wide receiver two ranks. And then my last one here, even, even deeper than that, uh, Brandon Cooks is gone. Julia Edelman is suspended. I really like Chris Hogan. I like what he did last year when he was healthy. He, I think he was the true wide receiver one in that offense last season. So if he can get off to a hot start and, and stay healthy, I think he has a shot of, of kind of finishing as a fringe wide receiver one also. Well, I had three guys on my list, and you took two of them. Sorry, yeah, sorry, so Dan. We're sharing a brain there. <laughs> George, who are your guys that, that are dark horses to make the big leap? Well, I threw the, the Crowder one out, which uh, obviously— Yeah, I'm... that was already crazy enough. Should we just leave it at that? <laughs> I'll, I'll add one or two more names, I think. You were, you were actually willing to put him all the way up there. You didn't wait until you got the window to do it. You just took took your chance right away. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you got you to gotta take your shots in life. So uh, the other ones, you know, Matt kind of inadvertently mentioned them and Brandon Cooks. I think that one's a dark horse in the sense that he goes to a team where it worked off that that he can you know at least throw the ball pretty well I know the the targets were split there last year nobody was a top 12 guy but I would argue that he hasn't had a healthy uh full season from anyone as talented as Brandon Cooks so so I think that one's possible and then the other kind of crazy one I'll throw out there is uh Devontae Parker could be an interesting one if he stays healthy if he if it kind of clicks for him with Jarvis Landry gone uh, you know, clearly the, the team is willing to focus a lot of their targets on one guy. Uh, so I'd be curious to see if Parker is able to, to kind of expand his game a little bit and, you know, maybe become that, that option for them. 
Yeah, interesting names for sure. Cooks was actually one of the guys I considered for that eighth spot as well. I I, I thought about putting him inside uh, of those guys most likely to make the leap. Randall Cobb and Chris Hogan both made my list of sleepers uh, with the potential to make the big jump. And then my last guy was another deep one, uh, Pierre Garçon, with, with everything happening in San Francisco, all the good things that we all saw towards the end of the season. And the lack of, of adding more skill players, or at least wide receivers, in San Francisco, and the, and the ones they, they did add with Pettis and uh, is a rookie. So it, it seems to me like Garcon has the potential to catch 90-plus passes, and if he finds the end zone enough, he could sneak his way into the bottom end of those top 12. So there were five receivers that made all three of our lists as the most likely to jump into the top 12. OBJ, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Doug Baldwin, and Allen Robinson all made the list. A couple of guys made two lists. Stefan Diggs and Demarius Thomas. And the last guy uh, is a split between Alshon Jeffrey, or actually Alshon Jeffrey made two, two uh, lists as well uh, because I bumped T.Y. Hilton out. So Alshon Jeffrey, Demarius Thomas, Stefan Diggs, Allen Robinson, Doug Baldwin, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, and Odell Beckham Jr. are the most likely, according to the DLF Dynasty podcast, to jump into the top 12 in 2018. Before we get to the tight ends, let's hear a word from RSO. So we're back, fellas. Again, with me this week is George Kritikos and my buddy Matt Price. I'm Dan Myler. We're about to talk about the top 12 tight ends from 2017 and who's going to translate over to the 2018 season. This is going to be relatively quick compared to those wide receivers, guys. It seems like tight ends of all the positions are the most likely to stay inside of the top 12 from season to season. Uh, it was interesting during our study or our time getting things together for this episode, tight ends over the last seven years have an average of 51% that will repeat their performance as a top 12 fantasy scorer. With that in mind, guys, that means that six tight ends from 2017 are likely to fall out of the top 12. The top 12 from last year included Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, Zach Ertz, Delaney Walker, Evan Ingram, Jimmy Graham, Jack Doyle, Kyle Rudolph, Jason Witten, Cameron Brait, Ben Watson, and Jared Cook. So, it's an interesting list, guys. I think it's pretty easy to mark off the three or possibly even four most likely to repeat, that being Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, Zach Ertz, and Evan Ingram. Uh, some of us might throw Jimmy Graham into that conversation as locks to, to finish his top 12 tight ends. Outside of those top five that I listed there for me, Matt, are there any surprises for you? To fall out or to, to stay? To, to stay. stay. Talking about I, who's, I don't who's know if there's surprises. I, I think Walker is, is pretty close to a, to a lock. I think Kyle Rudolph is pretty close to a lock. Um, those would be the next two guys that jump out to me as, as ones that I would have a hard time seeing fall out of that list. All right. I listed the five. Uh, we're allowed six, so Matt naturally threw out two more to make it seven. <laughs> Uh, George, how about you? Who's who's the most likely to stay in for you? Uh, so I had I had Walker as well staying. 
Um, and then you threw out the four. Uh, I had all four of them in as well. And then I actually had Jack Doyle in my six. I, I do too. Wow. Interesting. Uh, so we're, we're going to have some differences of opinion. Uh, to me, it seems like Jared Cook and Ben Watson are likely to fall out. Cameron Brait is likely to fall out. The most likely one, of course, is Jayton, Jason Witten because of the retirement. Uh, I thought Jack Doyle with, with Eric Ebron showing up there in Indianapolis, there's the potential for some split. And if there's one of those tight ends that's going to become the, the pass-catching tight end or most likely to be the pass-catching tight end, I think Ebron has a chance to, to separate himself a little bit there as well. So um, let's let's move beyond the the most likely to fall out guys because it seems like it seems like there's there's kind of an obvious top four. Um, you two agree on Delaney Walker staying in as well and then maybe we can talk about Rudolph or Doyle or Jimmy Graham as well. I'm pretty excited about his upside. I know you are as well, Matt. Uh, they're in Green Bay, but let's let's go right to the guys that are gonna take these guys' place in in those top six or in the top twelve. Uh, we're gonna need six of these guys, and there's a lot of really interesting names. Um, but I'll just throw it right to you, George, since you're our guest. Who do you think is the most likely outside of that top twelve that that were per, top twelve performers in 2017? The most likely to make the leap into the top twelve. Yeah, this one was was fairly easy for me and Greg Olson, uh, just because of the injury. I mean, I think he had been a top twelve tight end in the last five years, if I remember correctly. Uh, so, so this one for me was was fairly straightforward. I just don't see any reason why he won't return to prominence, even at his age. It didn't really add much. I know DJ Moore obviously is a first round receiver, but uh, you know that that's not really enough to sway me uh, to move off of Olson. Yeah, I had Olsen as the top guy as well, Matt. I imagine you did the same. Who is the next guy on your list? Yeah, it was kind of a tie between Olsen and Trey Burton. I think he's he's about to ascend into that, that level. Chicago paid him a lot of money. I think he's probably the best, the second best receiving option they have on the roster currently, uh, depending on how you feel about Anthony Miller and you know Taylor Gabriel, some of these other satellite players. Um, so I'm ready to go ahead and, and put him in that discussion. I am as well. Burton was the second guy on my list for sure. Uh, really easily over some of the other options. George, you're a Bears fan. What do you think of Burton's upside? And do you think he's the second most likely to make that jump? Yeah, it was definitely a top two tier for me with, with who could jump in. And I mean, you just think about Matt Nagy and his, his history with, with Kansas City and you know what they did there with Travis Kelsey. And I'm not saying that Burton's necessarily on that plane uh, but I think that it's pretty safe to assume that he will have involvement, pretty heavy involvement in that offense. And it's probably the second uh, you know, biggest guy in terms of targets by the end of the year after Robinson. So, so the three of us agree that those are the, the top two that are likely to, to become top 12 tight ends in 2018. It's, it gets a little dicey after that for me, Matt. Uh, who's number three for you and how confident are you that he can make that jump? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I'm confident at all, but I wrote down uh, uh, Charles Clay as my next guy. 
So I just think there's no one to throw to in Buffalo. Uh, you have Kelvin Benjamin, and you have LaShawn McCoy, and then you have, have Charles Clay. And, and he, he did a lot of good things last year. He got nicked up a little bit. That's always, again, the concern with him, both when he was back in Miami and, and in his early career in Buffalo. But when he's on the field, it's been shown that he is you know is pretty involved in that offense. So I went with Charles Clay there. I think he's got a good shot to, to join that group. Clay is an interesting one for sure, and I had him in my, in the six that I had to find as well. Not quite that high, but certainly among the names that are interesting. Um, a lot of these guys that that you'd think of that are most likely to to make the leap and and become starting tight ends for us are are that injury riddled group of of Eifert and and uh, Jordan Reed. Um, Austin Safarian Jenkins seems to fit in a little bit. Um, and, and when I was considering these guys, it seemed like Clay stuck out to me as at least he can stay healthy. At least he doesn't have the off the field concerns. Um, and, and there's not just, there's just simply not as many targets, like you said, Matt. So Clay fit in at six, six for me. Matt, who is the third guy? On, or excuse me, George, who is the third guy on your list? Yeah, I went with one of those injury riddled guys. I went with Jordan Reed just because he had done it the previous two seasons. He gets Alex Smith, who clearly has a fondness for throwing to tight ends. Uh, to your point, it definitely uh, it definitely gets a little tougher here, and I can see the argument for Charles Clay, and I have him on my list as well, just not necessarily quite as high, uh, just because uh, Buffalo doesn't really have a, a great quarterback situation, so I was a little worried about what that might look like. So I went with the upside of Reed over the consistency of Clay. Yeah, my third guy, I, I stayed away from Reed and Eifert, at least this high, because it, it felt to me like I wanted to go, go go with somebody with not so many question marks, somebody with the, the big upside and, and maybe something that we don't quite know yet. So I went with Kittle from from San Francisco, and it's not that I'm a huge Kittle fan like some are out there. It's just that I, like everybody, can can see that there's upside in that offense. It appears that he's going to be the tight end there, the pass catcher, and, and there is the potential for for Jimmy Garoppolo to connect with that guy over and over, especially in the red zone. So it seems like there's there's low end tight end one upside at the very least. So so I went with Kittle at three. Matt, who'd you pick next? It, again, we're at the point where none of these feel good, but I'm I'm gonna pick Austin Hooper next. You know, he he flashed a little bit last season. He had that really was I don't know was it was a week one or two when he had that really long touchdown. Um, 80, 80 yards, something like that. So I, I think we've been waiting for him a while. I think he probably knows that this is going to be a make or break year for him. So he's better show something or he might be looking for a new job once that rookie contract is up. So, uh, you know, it doesn't feel great, but, but alongside Julio and Calvin Ridley, I think he's probably the next best option there in the receiving game. Uh, you know, I mean, the running backs are always going to figure in there too, but you know, it's time for him to, to put up or shut up basically. So I threw him in there. In there. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite do it. I couldn't make the leap. And like you said, you don't feel good about it. I certainly don't either. I considered Hooper when I was considering those last couple spots, and it was just too hard for me to make that leap. George, who's next for you? Yeah, I went with Kittle on this one, and uh, it was tough. But but I just think he, he has the upside. I like Garoppolo. That receiving core, you just have no idea what that's going to look like. Uh, so yeah, I went with Kittle just thinking that, that the opportunity is clearly there. He just needs to take it. 
Yeah, he has to grab the bull by the horns, as it were. Uh, my next guy was Austin Safarian Jenkins. Again, a, a guy I'm not super excited about. Not not really confident that he's going to make a jump like that. But there, like George just said, there's an opportunity there. There's the potential for him to to make some kind of jump. And if he if he's got his head on his on his shoulders squarely, and if he can keep his nose clean and perform to the level that his athletic profile has shown in the past, I think there's the potential for him to catch 60-plus passes and to be a red zone target and and maybe do what Mercedes Lewis did a few years ago and catching double-digit touchdowns, uh, a guy that can you know definitely box out and keep those defensive backs from the football, especially around the end zone. I, th- I think there's some potential there. The new landing spot, the offense that he plays, in uh, the the offensive coordinator that uses tight ends the way they do, uh, it just seems to me that Safarian Jenkins has as good a shot as anybody down here this low on the list. Matt, let's go back to you for another name. Yeah, ASJ was my next guy too. So I th- is that is that six? Do I do I do I owe another one? I think you owe one more. Why oh, don't you man. throw another one out there? <laughs> I go, honestly, I want to go back to some names we've already kicked off the list. Like I really like Cameron Braid. I think he has a chance to still be there. They paid him. They clearly want him around and part of that offense. He caught the same number of touchdowns as O.J. Howard last last season. Um, not the blocker that O.J. Howard is. So I think there's a chance for him. And then your boy that we've you've talked about several episodes in a row, Dan, uh, uh, Jared Cook, you know, quietly finishes the, the tight end 12 last season and – you know, I mean, I think there's a good argument for, for putting him back in there again, again this season outside of Amari Cooper. You know, who are we throwing the ball to unless you're believing in Jordy Nelson and Martavis Bryant, who seems like he might be in a little trouble again. So I, I think there's a there's a decent argument to, to consider those two guys back in there as that last spot. Well, I'm sorry. The exercise was to pick new people. <laughs> yeah, I, Matt, Matt stretches right. the rules uh, quite please. a bit on this exercise. God, it's gross. Vance McDonald. It's gross. Vance McDonald. How about Vance McDonald? He's going to be the okay, Pittsburgh. Go I'll go with Vance, Vance McDonald. McDonald. I, you know, back to your point, though, Matt, on, on Cook, I really wish he would have finished at 13 because I would have mentioned him uh, as, as the guy that can make the jump. And, and again... You know, he had a couple really big games, or or at least a couple big games, and then some real duds where he caught, like, one pass for two yards. And then the next week, I think it was one pass for seven yards or something. Those happened to be the weeks that I had him in my lineup, and and I swore never to do it again, only to have to later in the season he caught a touchdown for me. But that was my point there, that these are the kind of guys that are going to finish 10th, 11th, or 12th in our tight end uh, finishes in 2018. And, and now with Jason Witten gone, it's even more likely to happen. So we have to be prepared as dynasty owners to 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 for these guys to, to make the leap. And, and these guys have to be on rosters. So although Cook didn't make my list because he didn't qualify, <laughs> I do agree with you there, Matt. Uh, he, he has top 12 potential. Don't necessarily think he has top 10 potential, though, uh, for sure. George, is there another name worth mentioning for you? I mean, to round on my list, I had I had Charles Clay and Austin Hooper. I know Matt went over both of those already, so I won't go into detail there. A name I really wanted to shoehorn in, but I just couldn't convince myself to do it, was David Njoku, because I really wanted to have him on the list. I just think there are too many things going on there, 
And like I mentioned before, not really a clear quarterback situation where I can justify putting him there. But man, I would really love to have him in that list. Man, I thought I was going to surprise people because that that guy was my fifth, actually. I mentioned that Clay was six for me, and I had Njoku at five and really thought I was going to be the only one to mention him. Kudos to you, George. Um, but we did mention with Landry that, that he was one of the guys that we were worried about or, or most worried about uh, among the wide receivers because of the quarterback situation and all the question marks surrounding that offense. But with that said, we are shooting darts right now at the bottom of this tight end barrel. And David Njoku is a name that stands out. Now, you're, there is no discount with it Njoku. So it's not like he's free or cheap to go get. But if you have him, there's the upside in 2018 for him to make the leap for sure. We should mention before we sign off here that Hunter Henry is a name we would have been mentioning regularly had he not been injured a couple of weeks ago uh, in OTAs. Another name that was pretty interesting and maybe some dynasty owners expected us to mention, OJ Howard. I tried to find room for him. He was really close to being that sixth guy rather than Charles Clay for me. Uh, and then the last name I wanted to mention, the rookie Mike Gesicki. I know tight ends don't make that kind of jump in their rookie seasons typically, but we have seen it in the past as recently as Evan Ingram a year ago. Not to say he's going to have an Ingram-type rookie season, but he has that type of upside and certainly profiles as that pass catcher that can that can spread the field uh, and and get up the seam on defenses. So so there's the potential for him to make a wow kind of um, impact as a rookie as well. Anybody else that we should mention here before we sign off, fellas? I would. I, it's hard to name one, but if if I knew that one of the two guys were the man in Cincinnati, I'd I'd put them on that list, whether it was Eifert or Croft, because I think Croft finished. 14th, if I remember right, last year. Might have been 13th even, but he finished pretty high, I thought. Uh, and and if I knew that one of those two had the job and, and didn't face any you know uncertainty there, I would have probably included him in my top six. I think Croft, I think it's going to be him. Isn't, isn't Eifert hurt again, some other thing? It's like not the back, it's something else now. So it's I I don't know I don't I'm not expecting to see Eifer on the field so I think I think you'd be pretty safe in putting Croft there if you wanted to. Yeah, I just think there's not much to offer there in Cincinnati outside of AJ Green's and, and and I guess the running backs to an extent, but you know they they have a history of throwing to the tight end, so you know why not, George. George, when you mentioned the the two tight ends in one place, if we could figure out who that guy was, I thought you were going a little farther west and you were going to mention the the that two-headed monster that's uh, in L.A. with the Rams of Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. That seems like if, if there was just one of those guys standing there, uh, we might mention that name in this conversation. But since they're both there, it's hard to really pinpoint one of them. They're both obviously worth owning in dynasty leagues or at, or at least semi-deep dynasty leagues and have, have big-time potential. Both of them are pass catchers, and that offense is dynamic, of course. So with that... Let's sign off here, fellas, for Matt and George. George, thanks for, for joining us this week, for filling in for Ryan. I should give you the chance before we get out of here to to let all of the listeners that don't know where you're at know where you're at. What are you doing now, now nowadays? Well, uh, I, I co-host the Player Raider podcast with what? Ryan McDonald. You were at, back at DLF? Uh, <laughs> 
crazy things have happened in the 10 weeks since I've been on the podcast. So yeah, great. <laughs> I figured all that no. campaigning Jeff Miller did would have kept you out, but I guess, I guess, I guess he doesn't have as much pull as we thought. No, I came in as a third party <laughs> candidate and was able to get back on the ballot. So, for me, uh, you know, democracy and all that. But, but yes, yeah, so I'm I'm on the the Player Raider podcast with Ryan McDowell uh, at RotoHack is my Twitter handle, um, and then I'm also in the midst of a move for personal news. So, uh, yeah, things are busy, but good. Busy but good indeed. So if you're if you're not listening to the Player Raider, go do that right now. Listen to George. And Ryan, I'm sure we'll be looking forward to some some written stuff from George as well as the season comes along and, and beyond then. Uh, so keep it right here at DLF. For George and my buddy Matt, I am Dan. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. 